Okay, Genesis <clears throat> chapter 49 again this evening. Genesis 49. <clears throat> Genesis 49, and <clears throat> let's begin reading from verse 22. Genesis 49, verse 22 says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him, and shot at him, and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of thy father <coughs> have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're able to come once again this evening and spend a few moments just gathered around your word. And Lord, I pray that this evening now you would just um, give us wisdom and guidance as we consider your word. Uh, that, Lord, you would bless us through it, instruct us, teach us through your word this evening. Lord, I pray that as I speak this evening that you would empower me through the Spirit, that, Lord, it would be your words, your thoughts, and that, Lord, you would receive the glory, uh, the honor, and the praise. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, of course, this morning we uh, started looking at Jacob's words of benediction unto Joseph. And we saw that in verse 22, he, he emphasizes Joseph is a fruitful bough. And so he emphasizes the fruitfulness of Joseph's life. And we talked about how that fruitfulness can be seen in, in numerous ways. It can be seen in a material sense. You know, he continually prospered wherever the Lord placed him, whether it was in Potiphar's house, in prison, or in the palace. And so he was certainly fruitful in a material sense. But then, of course, more importantly, he was fruitful spiritually. And that's really where we focused this morning on his that fruitful uh, spiritual sense. And his life was, as I said, marked by the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, uh, long-suffering, faith, meekness. All of these and others were seen in his life and they were produced because he abode by the well of God and his word. Now, Joseph maintained that close relationship with the Lord and and as a result, his branches reached over the wall. He was a blessing unto all those around him. He was a blessing unto those in Egypt as well. And so having spoken about his fruitfulness, this evening now we come to the rest of Jacob's words unto Joseph here in verses 23 to 26. And so he's spoken about his fruitfulness and now he goes on to speak about Joseph's suffering before concluding by looking at the future blessings for Joseph's descendants. So let's look first of all this evening at his suffering. Joseph's suffering. Look there again in verse 23. It says, The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, 
and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. <clears throat> now with verse 23, Jacob now changes his imagery. Now until now he's been comparing Joseph to a fruitful branch. But now in verse 23, he, he speaks about Joseph as someone attacked by archers, you know, shooting their arrows at him. He describes these attacks against him with the words sorely grieved, shot at, hated. And so the idea is that these attacks against him, these are horrible attacks against his character. These were horrible attacks against uh, Joseph. You know, they damaged him, they grieved him, they hurt him by these attacks that came against him. You know, these attacks are not unrelated to the imagery just before because you see, the reason he was attacked is because he was so fruitful. And so there is a connection here. Okay? He was a fruitful bough, and that's the reason why now, in verse 23, we see that he was attacked by these enemy archers, as uh, uh, Jacob calls them here. He was attacked because he was fruitful spiritually. Now, the commentator Butler writes this. He says he was attacked because he was fruitful. It is not surprising to read of Joseph's severe encounters with the enemy right after reading of his great fruitfulness for the Lord. For after the blessing comes the battle, and after fruitfulness comes the felon and the fight. You see, Joseph was attacked for righteousness' sake. That's why these attacks came against him in his life. Now, and God's Word tells us that this is something that we can all expect as believers when we live godly, when we are fruitful spiritually. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, we, we know the verse well. It says, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a reality. It's a fact. If we live godly lives, if we are fruitful spiritually, then we will be persecuted. We will suffer persecution, suffer attacks coming our way, attacks against our character. As we'll see in a moment, words, uh, hurtful words, bitter words, lies. And this perfectly describes Joseph's life. You know, he was fruitful, he was godly, he lived a righteous life, he brought glory to God, and as a result, he suffered greatly. These, these attacks came against him. And the ones who attacked him here, Jacob describes them as being archers, shooting their arrows. Verse 23 again, it says, The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. And so he describes these ones who attacked him as archers, shooting their arrows. You know, in the word of God, archers shooting arrows is often an image used to speak of someone telling lies and speaking hateful words against someone else. For instance, David uses this imagery in Psalm 64. Just turn over there. <clears throat> Psalm 64, verse 3. <clears throat> oh, we'll start back in verse 1. It says, Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret, at the perfect, suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. David here, 
describes how you know the enemy was shooting their arrows at him and it's the arrows of bitter words and they're shooting them in secret at the perfect those who are living righteous those who are spiritually fruitful bringing glory to god in proverbs 25 and verse 18 we read a similar thing it says a man that beareth false false witness against his neighbor is a sharp arrow And so the imagery of an archer shooting his arrows speaks of someone attacking with lies, someone attacking with bitter, hateful words. And that certainly describes what Joseph went through in his life, doesn't it? It describes how he was attacked throughout his life. And those attacks against him came primarily from two sources. They came, first of all, from his brothers when he was still at home. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 37. In Genesis 37, we read of the brothers' hatred and their bitterness towards Joseph. And ultimately, the reason that they hated him so much, the reason why they spoke bitter words against him, was because of his fruitfulness, his godliness. Just read with me from verse 1 of 37. It says, And Jacob dwelt in a land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil reports. The very first thing we learn about Joseph, remember this, we looked about, at this a long time ago now it seems, but the very first thing we read about young Joseph is him demonstrating his godly character here, his spiritual fruitfulness. And we see it here as he refuses to condone the sinful actions of his brothers. You know, when they went out into the field to look after the, the, their father's flocks, he, he witnessed his brothers get up to mischief. He witnessed their sin. He witnessed their, their wickedness when they were away from home. But Joseph didn't hide it. He didn't hide their sin. Joseph didn't condone it. Instead, he went home and he reported it unto his father. And he wasn't being a tattletale. He was telling it to the one person who needed to know, their father. He was being responsible. He was showing his spiritual maturity, his zeal for righteousness. And it was because of that zeal for righteousness, that spiritual maturity, that Joseph was exalted by his father, chosen to receive the birthright. Look in verse 3. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. The coat of many colors here is, if you remember, a coat of a long-sleeved, long-hemmed coat. It's the coat that was worn by someone in a position of authority. It was worn by royalty. And so it spoke of this honor that was bestowed upon him, the birthrights. And it was given to him because he was the son of his old age. Or if you remember, those words mean the son of old age. It's the idea that he was a man of maturity. Okay, he showed his age. He had spiritual maturity. And that's why his father bestowed these things upon him. And of course, we see, his, the, we see the brother's response in verse 4. It says, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably under him. The brother's response when they saw 
that Joseph was honored by their father, that Joseph was chosen to receive the birthrights, their response was hatred. Hatred, and they could not speak peaceably under him. All they could do was speak bitter words towards him every time they saw him. They couldn't say hello. They couldn't speak peaceably. Now their words were now like arrows shot at Joseph. And that hatred, that bitterness built up until finally they took their brother and they cast him into a pit and sold him as a slave. Of course the result of that bitterness and hatred was that Joseph then found himself in Potiphar's house where he was once more attacked with bitter words and with deceit, with lies, and this time it came from Potiphar's wife. We know the story well, and we mentioned it this morning. You know, Potiphar's wife daily hounded Joseph to sin, and when he refused, and of course the reason he refused was because he refused to commit sin against God, refused to go against the Lord, the one he served, when he refused, she wouldn't take no for an answer, would she? She kept hounding him. Until finally one day she caught him alone and she tried to force herself upon him. Let's read that from Genesis 39 verse 11. Genesis 39 verse 11, it says, And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men in the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of the house, not her house, sorry, and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew to mock, unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, they left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until... His Lord came home, and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servants, which thou hast brought unto us, came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. Now here when Joseph refused on this occasion, when she cornered him in the house and she tried to force herself upon him, this time when Joseph refused and he fled leaving his garment with her she becomes enraged against him doesn't she she's full of now bitterness and anger and hatred towards joseph because he has refused her because he has shamed her she's humiliated and so she now proceeds to lie she claims that he tried to rape her in bitterness she seeks to destroy his testimony doesn't she she seeks to destroy his godly reputation. And she sought to destroy him. Why? Because he refused to sin against God. His fruitfulness, his spiritual fruitfulness. And the result of this attack, of course, was that he was thrown in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. You see, without doubt, Joseph suffered much in his life. But he suffered, why? Because of his godliness. The spiritual fruitfulness in his life. You know, it would have been far easier for Joseph just to go along with his brothers, wouldn't it? It would have been far easier just to keep his mouth shut, just fit in with the brothers and be accepted. It would have been far easier just to give in to Potiphar's wife. But to do so would have meant spiritual 
defeat. Joseph, he, he chose to stand for righteousness and he suffered as a result. You know, the wonderful truth is that he didn't suffer alone. Through all these trials, these attacks that came against him, Joseph was strengthened by the knowledge that God was with him. And that's our second point this evening. We see his strength through his suffering. His strength through the suffering. Look there again in chapter 49 and verse 24. <clears throat> it says, But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd and the stone of Israel. In verse 24, Jacob now goes on to declare how God had strengthened Joseph. How God had kept him through these trials, through these attacks that came against him. Now Jacob declares here that his bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong. Now these words speak about the fact that even though these attacks against him were grievous, even though Joseph suffered greatly by these attacks, he didn't buckle under the pressure. He didn't buckle. There was no compromise. There was no turning away from God during these times. There was no surrender in this spiritual battle. He was spiritually prepared. And when the attacks came, he was able to stand because God was with him. You see, he wasn't standing in his own strength, was he? He was standing in the, the power of God. God was with him. And Jacob make, makes that clear here. He says it's God who strengthened him. Just read verse 24 again. It says, But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Jacob makes it very clear here, his understanding and Joseph's understanding, that the reason he was able to get through these things is because God was with him. God strengthened him. God had been with him every step of the way. Now, years later, when Joshua was about to lead the people of Israel into the land of Canaan, God gave him a set of instructions as to how to face the battle that he was going to, that was coming for him in the land of Canaan. Just go there quickly, Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> in Joshua chapter 1, I'm sure we know these verses, but verse 8 this is God's instructions under Joshua. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. You know, Joshua was instructed by God to know and to seek to obey his word, to maintain a close relationship with God. And then God said he'd do what? He said, I'll be with you going ahead. I'll be with you and I'll strengthen your hands for the battle ahead. That describes perfectly Joshua, Joseph for us, doesn't it? Describes perfectly Joseph. He maintained that relationship with God as we saw this morning. So he was spiritually mature. And when the attacks came... God was with him. God strengthened and enabled him to stand. And here in verse 24, Jacob describes God using these words. 
Back there in chapter 49, he says this. He says, These hands were made strong by by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And so here, Jacob highlights two aspects of God's care for his people. He describes God as being the shepherd and the stone of Israel. You know, as the shepherd, God is the one who nourishes and leads his people. As the stone, God is the one who strengthens and provides security for his people. Joseph certainly experienced both aspects of God's care, didn't he? He experienced both aspects of God's care in his life. God had been there to nourish and lead him every step of the way. And God had been there to protect him and provide strength every step of the way. You know, for instance, when he first arrived in Potiphar's house, and after his brothers have done that evil against him, they've shot their arrows against him. He's been sold as a slave. He's gone down in Egypt. He's in Potiphar's house. The very first things we read in Genesis 39 verse 2 is this, And the Lord was with Joseph. Isn't that a wonderful truth? He's, he suffered this great evil against him. The archers have shot their arrows. He's now suffering, but the Lord was with him. The Lord strengthened him. The Lord was still there. The shepherd, the stone of Israel was still there with Joseph. You know, when he was then falsely accused and thrown into prison, We read the exact same thing. Genesis 39 verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph. You see, again, the Lord was with him. The Lord didn't forsake him. In both of these major trials that he faced, both of these times when he was attacked, he was persecuted for being godly, we read that God was with him. God was there right by his side. And this was true for every step of Joseph's life. Joseph Never had to worry about God not being there with him. The Lord was with him through all these things. And the reason was because he had prepared himself spiritually, hadn't he? He prepared himself spiritually, and so God was right alongside him to nourish him and to strengthen him when those trials came. Beloved, like Joseph, you know, we will suffer persecution when we are living godly lives. But like Joseph, we have the knowledge that we don't face those things alone. We don't face that persecution. We don't face that that affliction alone. Our God is indeed the almighty God and he is in control over all things. And so nothing takes him by surprise. He knew that was coming. And as we go through that, our shepherd is right there alongside us. The stone, that strength, that security is right there alongside us through every step of the way. You know, our part like Joseph is simply to be prepared spiritually, isn't it? That's our part. You know, Paul describes this as being, uh, having the whole armor of God on. You just go quickly to Ephesians 6, verse 11. Just verse 11, Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now Paul describes this being prepared spiritually. He says it's putting on the armor of God so that we might be ready to stand. You know, of course, we do this 
by spending time in his word. It comes back to what we talked about this morning, doesn't it? You know, as we spend time with the Lord each day in his word, getting to know him, we're like that fruitful tree planted by the river. We're strong and we're fruitful. And so we're prepared spiritually. So when those attacks come, we're ready to fight and the Lord is right there by our side. Now, when those attacks come like Joseph, we will be able to stand in his strength and in the power of his might, not our own. You know, Jacob now having spoken about how Joseph had suffered so much in his life as he served the Lord and spoken about how God had strengthened him through it all, Jacob concludes his benediction by assuring Joseph that it was worth it all because he concludes by speaking about his blessings. So let's just go back there, Genesis 49 and verse 25. We see now the blessings for Joseph and his descendants. Verse 25, it says, Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Jacob here assures Joseph that the same God who had strengthened him and been with him through those trials, that same God would now be with him and bless him. And indeed would bless his descendants. And in verse 25, he lists a series of blessings. Just read it again. It says, Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. He says blessings of heaven above. This speaks of the Lord blessing the lands of Ephraim and Manasseh with the life-giving rains and dew. That's the blessings from heaven above. And then he adds to this the blessings of the deep that lieth under. This speaks of the springs and the fountains of the earth. And so it's the idea that the, the land that Ephraim and Manasseh will inherit, it will be well watered from above and it will be well nourished from beneath. It will be a land that is fertile, rich, blessed. And then Jacob adds to that, he says, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. And this speaks of both tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. It speaks of them both being fruitful, and increasing greatly in size. You know, together, Joseph's descendants, both Ephraim and Manasseh, if you put them into one tribe, the tribe of Joseph, you know, when they come out of Egypt, they would form the largest tribe of all. You know, in Numbers chapter 1, their total population is 75,900, compared to the next largest tribe, which is Judah, 74,600. You see, this prophecy was certainly fulfilled. They were fruitful. They were blessed abundantly. You know, blessings of the breast and of the womb. God blessed them. They were fruitful. They increased in size. And so together, these three blessings here indicate the hand, God's hand of blessing upon the land that they would inherit and also upon the people themselves. Joseph's descendants would be greatly blessed. You know, if these words were not enough, 
Jacob then goes on in verse 26 to stress just how blessed Joseph's descendants would be. In verse 26 he says this, The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of, him, of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. At the start of verse 26 here, basically what jo Jacob is pointing out is, he's pointing out the fact that he has been blessed much more abundantly than his own father and grandfather before him. Okay, the blessing he received has exceeded that of Isaac and of Abraham. You know, think about Abraham and Isaac. They were only able to bless one son each, weren't they? But here, Jacob is able to bless 12 sons. You see, God has indeed blessed him abundantly, and he is able to pass that on now to his children. But here he declares that that blessing that he received is upon the head of Joseph. Okay, he says that there at the end of verse 26. He says, They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. And so basically he's saying the blessing of Jacob, that blessing that exceeded Abraham and Isaac's, that blessing would be upon the head of Joseph. The blessing of Jacob, the blessing given by the father to the firstborn son, the birthright is given unto Joseph. It's upon his head, upon the one who was separated from his brethren for years. It's upon his head that this blessing rests. And the idea, of course, is that Joseph would receive the double portion, which he had already um, told him in chapter 48, but he reiterates it here, that he would receive the double portion, which, of course, is fulfilled in the fact that two tribes come from Joseph. He has Ephraim and Manasseh. He has a double portion of inheritance. You see, the result is that Joseph's blessing exceeds that of his brethren. It exceeds. It is double, if you like, that of his brethren. You see, the years of suffering, the years of separation in Egypt were indeed worth it all. God blessed him abundantly. God blessed his descendants abundantly. Joseph suffered greatly because he was a fruitful bough, but through it all God strengthened him and God blessed him. And beloved, you know, like Joseph, we will suffer for godliness. You know, when we are fruitful spiritually, we will suffer persecution. But like Joseph, we can be sure that it will be worth it all. Just turn over quickly to Matthew chapter 5. Just read our Lord's words, Matthew chapter 5 and <clears throat> verse 10. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Christ makes it very clear, doesn't he? He says that we are blessed if we suffer for righteousness' sake. If we suffer persecution because we're living for the Lord, because we're godly, because we're fruitful spiritually, then Christ says that we are blessed. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, there is a reward waiting for us in heaven one day. There is a blessing waiting for us at the end. 
It's eternity in heaven with him. You know, one day we will stand before him and we will hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You see, we have the blessing of spending eternity with him. That's what we have to look forward to. That's what's at the end. That's what's waiting for us. You see, the point is, beloved, it will indeed be worth it all when we see Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this evening. And Lord, we thank you that, Lord, today we've focused on Joseph and what a wonderful example he is from Scripture. And Lord, this evening we've seen his suffering. But Lord, how you strengthened him through all that suffering. And Lord, you blessed him at the end of it all. And Lord, I pray you'd help us all to realize, Lord, that as we live godly in this, this wicked, sinful world, we will indeed suffer persecution. We'll suffer the afflictions that come because of being a Christian and claiming your name. But Lord, in the end, it will indeed be worth it all. And we stand before you. We see your face and Lord, we enter into the glory of the Lord and we spend eternity with you. Lord, it will indeed be worth it all. Lord, I pray that this evening we would be encouraged, that Lord, we would be strengthened in our faith, and that Lord, you'd help us to stand as we go forth this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name.